Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As the Nationals are strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, great crossover. Got him. That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh. Handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DC Crossover, episode 109. I am Ben Simpson. That is Mike Cerrone in a very busy DC Sports Week with the NFL Draft creeping closer and closer, with the NHL playoffs creeping closer and closer, and with Nationals baseball going in the toilet. We have a lot to talk about (laughs) on this Monday episode, but before we do, we always got to remind you where you can find the show in a variety of capacities, not only in all podcast platforms, but you can also download the the Contender app. That's Contender with a K and uh, consume our content as well as other DC and Chicago sports content on a free app, the Contender app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the DC Crossover and at Cerrone16 and on TikTok. DC underscore crossover underscore podcast is the search, uh, is the title or I can change or it username at the end of the week. I can change it by, I think, the 28th. <laughs> at so the I, end of the week, like Friday, it'll be different. Friday, but baby. for now, <laughs> that's how you find us on TikTok, where Mike posts a bunch of clips and things like that. It's a great uh, resource for fun clips of the show. And this is going to be a busy week for clips and, and all that because we're going to have some interviews uh, with the NFL draft stuff coming up and with the Caps playoff stuff. So a lot 
going on and a lot to talk about on this show. Um, but at the top, before we get into things, Mike, I so I've been on, you know, I've told you, you know, I'm on a reading kick this year. I'm trying to read 100 books. I'm about 31 in. Um, and the last two books I've read have been all about the Lakers. So I did the whole Showtime, Magic, Kareem, all those guys, that book. And then I just finished up my Kobe, Shaq, and Phil Jackson book. And it got me thinking before the show and I, I was curious, and I have a couple ideas, but I was, I was just thinking, like, if there was a DC sports story to write a book about, like an interesting or weird or, or something, a, a DC sports story that you'd want to read a book about, what would it be? And I've got a little list here, and I want to get some of your thoughts on it. All right. So my first one would be the Gilbert Arenas years. All right. So he was here for, what, eight, nine seasons um, some really great basketball played and some mediocre basketball. And obviously Gil setting the league on fire with some of his numbers and things like that. And then, of course, the firearms incident at the very end. And just some – I feel like there's some stories in those that, that, that 2000s uh, era of Gilbert Arenas basketball that he's told a lot of them on his podcast, and he's an outspoken guy, so he's said a lot of things. But I think getting the perspective of the other players and gen- and management and coaches and things like that, I think that could make for an interesting book. Right. Uh, and, and you have to throw in there that I believe he won the scoring title one of those yeah. years. I believe he was scoring almost 32 points a game at one point. Yeah, crazy um, Which numbies. was nuts. And, yeah, those numbies were, 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 were explore, uh, exploding. and. The biggest thing about uh, Gilby was it was just because he always had that move. And I loved the move where he did the behind the back and then he pushed it forward because he had a really great first step. He would go behind the back, launch it forward with his other hand and just burst by somebody else at the top of the key. Uh, And then he would either dish it or uh, drive to the hoop and try to get to the rack. Um, But that was always something that I've always talked to my cousin who uh, who was um, I don't know if you call her a legend at Chantilly High School ba- uh, basketball, but uh, she went to college to play ball and all that kind of stuff. And those were the years of Gilbert Arenas, and we used to always uh, talk about that because she was a huge Wizards fan as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, out of those that that are on your list that you you have on here, that would be a really big one. I think one of the ones, and this one might not hit really hard for you um and there's also a million um different documentaries and things that are out there and this one just came to mind immediately which was joe gibbs i would love just to hear joe gibbs uh be interviewed by i mean maybe like john feinstein or something like that john feinstein is a really well-known writer around here has a lot of really great books out there um, and I'm not a huge book reader in general, but when it comes to uh, his type of books, I mean, he does tons right. of sports books. And I think if he sat down and interviewed Joe Gibbs, and Joe Gibbs sat there and was talking about every single Super Bowl and how he had to rearrange the team because he had a different quarterback for every single Super Bowl. Uh, when you had Theismann, Rippin, and Williams, our buddy Doug Williams. Uh, you know, that's the biggest thing is I think if you sat down with Joe Gibbs and him explaining every single difference between all the Super Bowls and how different they were and how different his teams were, uh, I, I think that would hit home for a lot of local football fans, obviously. Um, and it would hit home for me because I wasn't alive 
uh, technically for those Super Bowls. I, I might have been alive for the latest one, uh, but maybe a newborn. But at the same time, it was uh, it was something to hear about from families of my past, you know, like my grandfather and uh, my dad and different ones like that that sat there and watched it on tube TVs and stuff right. like that. Uh, <laughs> and they were on, you know, flat screens and stuff like that. So something to hear about would possibly be Joe Gibbs's comparisons between all three of the Super Bowl. No, I think that's not – I don't think that's a bad idea at all. And I, I think um, you, you're right in that he's a guy who has a lot of stories to tell. And I think chronicling – his experiences would be that would make for a great book. Um, another one that I have that I just it's it's kind of a weirder story, but I have Freddie Adu on my list because yeah, yeah. when Freddie Adu came into the MLS, he was crowned as like this guy is going to be the next Pele, <laughs> this guy's going to be the next right. Cristiano Ronaldo, like he's going to be the next greatest soccer player ever. He was 14 years old making his debut in the MLS, which is. When you think about that, that's insane. I mean, like, I remember when I was 14, and I'm sure you remember when you were 14. It's like, imagine playing in a professional sports league. We were playing wiffle ball. 14 <laughs> years old. I mean, and he was crowned as the next big thing. And this was all before, like, Twitter and all this stuff. And, like, what he experienced with the, uh, having to deal with the media and with the pressures and how he just never really lived up to the hype and he bounced around. He became a journeyman. I mean, he played in like 12 different teams and things like that. But that first year, I mean, uh, especially being here locally, Freddie Adu, like the story was everywhere. Right. Uh, and like uh, people that don't even care about soccer were like tuning in to be like, this 14-year-old is playing? Like, that's a huge story. And I looked around like, there has never been a Freddie Adu book. And I just feel like that would be an interesting story to learn more about him and his journey, but especially being a 14-year-old debuting in a professional soccer league, which is nuts. Right, right. And that's the biggest thing that I look at uh, when it comes to Freddie Adu is I remember specifically someone from my high school that went on to play in the MLS, and he was like, I guess recruited to go out there uh, and play right. in the MLS from high school because he was so good in his travel league and stuff like that. Now it wasn't Freddie Adu, uh, but that was as close as I could, I've ever seen someone come. Is you know uh, MLS yeah. teams coming out and reaching out to you from your travel leagues when you're 16 years old. But like you said, 14 years old. This guy was supposed <laughs> to be. And the funny thing was is that he came out and played so well, like like six seven years later. And everyone forgot yeah. about him, and he was playing for some team. I forgot exactly what. Maybe it was like the U.S. B team. I don't even know what it was. But he was like, he shined for like a three month period. Everyone was like, "Yo, man, maybe he's coming around." Oh my gosh, he's coming! Yeah, it's it only the took him, you know, yeah, <laughs> seven years or whatever. I mean, yeah, you think about a fourteen year old playing with grown men. It's just right, right, it's right. Just crazy. I feel like that would be a wild story to get a little more background on. And then my other couple honorable mentions before we move on. I think it would be interesting to kind of chronicle Georgetown basketball, kind of the, you know, starting with John Thompson, then John Thompson the third, and then obviously now Patrick Ewing, and just kind of like where that program's been up and down and things like that. Uh, RG3, we, yeah, we, we knew that RG3 course, book course. that he wrote himself was supposed to come out at some <laughs> point, uh, and then they got pulled. I still think that there is an interesting story to tell there, maybe not by him, probably by somebody else that's chronicling what, what happened, because... Right. 
I think I, I drew three would obviously bring his bias in, just like the Redskins at the time would probably bring their bring bias in. in. Shanahan, it's good to have like bringing the Shanahan's and, and Kirk Cousins and those type of yeah. guys who they're gonna right. have, they're gonna have opinions, maybe not favorable towards him. But you could also right. get his side of the story, and you could also get other guys. Get everybody's. Exactly. Yeah, get everybody's side. Rather exactly. than just RG3 writing with his vendetta against the organization. Right, right. You know, that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's. it just got me thinking about that because I've been reading some really great sports books, and it's like, man, we need a really good DC one. I mean, I still think a Strasburg-related book, one right. day that will be written, and that will be an interesting one as well, just talking about how electric that debut was. Because, I mean, I was it there. was the was biggest there. thing in DC sports. Yeah, you were there, and, like, the entire – tri-state area the dmv all eyes were on that game because it was like this guy is the you know the next nolan ryan the next whatever making his debut and like the baseball world kind of stopped and watched him that night which we haven't really had that in a long time and and the funny thing was is that that was basically like a playoff feeling game now that playoff may never ever happen because they were playing the pirates and the pirates suck (laughs) but at the same time Every pitch that he threw that was 95 oh, yeah. down the pipe, everyone went nuts. And mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, everyone was standing up for every strike. It <laughs> yeah. was unbelievable. And, that's and a- we just haven't seen anything like that ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, since then. I mean, yeah, this team won a World Series here, and obviously there was a lot of excitement. But anything around a specific one guy, it's like... I don't not know. Even I don't know if we, we'll not even Harper. Not even Harper. Not even Yeah, Harper didn't have the same. Obviously, Harper had a lot, ton of hype, but not the same. That's Strasburg game. Unbelievable. I think. Well, I, I. I. I think. Sorry. I, I no. I no, cut you okay. off. I, the last thing that I would say that I think is gonna happen is they're yeah. going to make a book about either the Cup run with the the two, two, 2018 sure. Caps or the 2019 World Series. I would prefer the 2019 World Series because that was a more as you and I did, and we were texting every single out. I still, I right. will never forget that until until I go to my grave where <laughs> we literally texted for the World Series. All right, 22. All right, 20. Right, like Every right. single out. We just started counting down. That was the best. I can't wait for and that. Je- and Jesse Doherty uh, of the Washington Post did write a Nats book after they won the World Series. But I, I think there's – but it was one of those things where it was really rushed to try right. to get it out because it, hap- it came out like right after they won downs. it all. It's called Buzzsaw, the improbable story out of the Washington Nationals won the World Series. And I'm sure it's good, and, and, yeah. and he's a good writer, but – I'm with you. Like, I think there needs to be a little more time spent right. on that book. And, like, Chronicle, hey, go all the way back to the Strasburg debut and take us through the following years till we got to 2019 and what happened there. I think there's a, there, there's a lot of stories to write there. But uh, those will be for another day. And Mike and I certainly will not be writing those stories because <laughs> <laughs> we are not talented whatsoever. Let's head into the rewind, a chance to recap the previous week in DC Sports. We'll start with the Washington Nationals, uh, and this was a up-and-down week for sure, uh, mostly down, but things started on Tuesday with the doubleheader against the D-backs because there was a rain out on Monday, and the Nats swept the doubleheader. They beat the D-backs 6-1 on uh, Game 1 and one nothing Game 2. Josh Bell had a nice Game 1. Josiah Gray, great Game 1, 5 and a third, well, one earned run, 8 Ks, and Yoan Adone earned his first MLB win in Game 2. So those two wins, you were like, all right, this team's looking pretty good. They were almost 500 at the time, and then they've lost ever since. Uh, Wednesday, <laughs> losing to the D-backs 11-2. Eric Fetty gives up six earned runs. Nets give up 11 in five innings. Thursday, losing again to the D-backs 4-3. Uh, Soto had a chance with the bases loaded in the ninth and popped up. Uh, Nelson Cruz did homer in this one, and Kebert Ruiz with two hits 
And that ended the D-back series. Giant series, not a whole lot to talk about. Three games, three losses. Friday, losing 7-1. There was a whole controversy, quote-unquote, with the Giants stealing with a six-run lead in the ninth, which was a bunch of BS because it's like it's a six-run ball game. Like, who cares? Right. If this was like a 15-run game, yeah, get pissed. But it was six runs. We've seen six-run comebacks all the time. So stupid. Uh, this time, I'm totally against Davey and some of these other guys and what they were saying. It's like, guys, this is this, <laughs> this is stupid. Saturday, loss to the Giants, 5-2. Riley Adams homered in this one, which was the only bright spot. Aaron Sanchez did debut for the Nats, a guy who's bounced around with injuries and things like that, was on the Blue Jays for a while. He did debut for the Nats, allowed four runs and six hits in four and a third. And then Sunday, 12-3 loss. Jock Peterson homered twice for the Giants. Yadiel Hernandez did homer for the Nats, but they lose and get swept by the Giants, and they are now on a five-game losing streak and are at 6-12, and last place in the NL East. Not fun, but let's talk a team that is almost in the playoffs here. Not much more to go. Washington Caps. The Washington Capitals, 44-23-12. Currently, they are fourth in the Metro Division as we record this on Monday. Second in the wild card with three games to go. The Caps are three points behind Boston for the first wild card spot. One point behind Pittsburgh for third in the Metro. Basically, Pittsburgh, they have one more game than us. They play Tuesday and Thursday. We play Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Two against the Isles and one against the Rangers. So, whole New York situation we got going on this week so on monday they beat colorado a short-handed colorado team might i add but it's still a big win against the second best record in the nhl marcus johansson once again he's kind of getting on fire here as of late scores yeah. a go-ahead goal in that game sam sonoff stopped 24 shots so not a bad game for him ov and garnett hathaway also scored the caps quality for the postseason uh, excuse me, uh, qualify <laughs> for the postseason in eight straight seasons. So once again, don't take that for granted because of the sole fact that the Caps have been straight dominated ever since Ovi has and gotten here. Eight straight years of making the playoffs. And the, I mean, in hockey too. That's the that's the biggest in hockey, thing. <laughs> I mean, think about like the Wiz and the Nats and things like that. Like think about the stretches that they're dealing with of not making the playoffs. And you look <laughs> at the Caps. And they're just the like the toast of the town. I mean, they're making the playoffs. They're just giving you a chance. Yeah, they only won one cup in those you know set other seven, but you'll take that all day, right. and you'll take those playoff appearances. So big credit to the Caps. And the biggest thing is that a lot of people just say, "Oh, well, the Caps they're not playing that well this year. Uh, they're making the playoffs. That's all that matters. Yeah, making and the playoffs <laughs> is not easy. They're they're making the playoffs, and they're only like you know besides uh, Florida, they're not that far off of like the second no. overall seed." No. So, anyways, uh, on Wednesday they lost to Vegas four to three in overtime. Shea Theodore scored in uh, two oh nine into overtime to give Vegas the win. Ovi scored two goals for the Caps as well. Sam Sonov made uh, twenty six saves, so he's not playing too too bad as of late. Uh, but overall, still need a little bit better performance from him. On Friday they beat a terrible Arizona Coyotes team with the ugliest jerseys in the all of the <laughs> NHL. I have no idea why people like those jerseys. Right. It's like a clip art from you know microsoft office or something like that from it's 1998 clippy. yeah yeah Clay, I, I, clippy made that uh made that, that logo that's pretty awful connor sheary and john carlson scored in that game vtech vancheck picks up his fourth shutout of the season so pretty good for him uh the caps won their seventh in nine games so they were on a tear until they lost to toronto four to three in a shootout recently ovi got injured yesterday uh, it was an upper body injury. Didn't look too serious when he actually went down, in my opinion. 
but uh, they've been keeping it close to the vest. I had some word for one of our friends uh, that they've been keeping it close to the vest, not trying to disclose the injury, but we think he's going to be okay. TJ Oshie kind of reassured everybody, like, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. It'll be all right. Uh, Lars Eller, Marcus Johansson, and TJ Oshie scored in that game. They were up. Three to two ended up losing four to three uh, in the shootout, uh, but that's unfortunate. But at the same time, you know their road trip wasn't too too bad. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Moving on to our friends on the pitch, the DC United. Yeah, DC United finally gets a win after four straight losses. It's been ugly, and after those four straight losses, they fired their head coach uh, Hernan Losada who this was his second season, I believe, at the helm, and he got fired last week, which was kind of wild just being this early in the season. Um, but I guess enough was enough. They fired him. Head, uh, interim head coach Chad Ashton gets promoted to be the head coach. I mean, he's interim, I guess, for now. So, And he did the job. Is that They beat a pretty good New England Revolution team, 3-2. to two. Taxi Fountas, who's like this Greek soccer player from the <laughs> Greek national team, who um, the first name Taxi is awesome. Drove obviously. it right into the goal, and he yeah there you go. And he like he had he made his debut the game prior, and I watched some of that, and uh, he was all over the pitch and and having fun. But this game he actually had an impact, two goals and an assist in his uh, last time he came off the bench. This time he started, and yeah, I mean it's always fun when a guy give him his first ever MLS start and he scores two goals for you. So they get the win there. They're now three zero and four. Um, and their next game will be Saturday, 7.30 p.m. against the 2-3-3 Columbus Crew. And I'll be going the week after that. I'm going to a game there at uh, Audi Field, so I will report back. I got the all-inclusive seats, all-inclusive uh, drinks and food. So your boy will definitely be reporting back, because if you recall, the longtime fans of the show remember on... The website on the DC Crossover website, when I did that for the Nats, I wrote a blog about my experience with the Nats Park all-inclusive seats. So I, I actually saw that. I'm not going to lie. I saw that on my uh, – so I was obviously cleaning out my phone a little bit because for yeah. some reason you get three picture messages and all of a sudden your phone is full, which makes zero sense. That's a great right, That's right. a great for another day. So I have to clean my phone out consistently uh, throughout the week all the time. Uh, but I did go through our text messages and try, tried to, you know, delete some of the old betting slips and all that kind of stuff. And I did see, you know, pictures of the attendees, and I was like, "Hey, that was his time." I did not delete it because <laughs> that was a good memory. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was one of the best uh, sports experience of my of my life for sure. And I'll <laughs> I'll see if Audi Field can top it because their their stuff is always a little bit. I'm not going to say elevated, but they do try to bring in a lot of different cuisines because of the international audience and stuff. So I'm, I'm excited for sure. Um, but uh, let's get into, with the draft here approaching, let's get into some football talk. We are the commander. All right. It's almost here. The NFL draft. And we'll bring pr plenty of coverage uh, of the draft for you guys. Mike will be chatting with Mitch Tischler. This week, uh, tomorrow, he'll be chatting with Mitch and doing a little pre-draft talk. And then I will be hopping on the phone with Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch this weekend on Saturday and talking a little bit, uh, kind of reactions to it. And then Mike and I will, of course, be doing our episode next week, kind of diving into those uh, reactions a little bit more together. Um, but yeah, we got a lot of draft coverage for you, and it starts right now 
as uh, yeah, we are. Almost, it's almost here, which is kind of crazy, Mike. I mean, when you think about when the season ends, and then you're just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Next thing you know, it's like, all right, it's here. The possible future centerpieces of of this franchise are are going to be picked here, uh, hopefully. Um, and it all starts with that eleventh pick, and the discourse around the draft always is. Should we trade back? Should we try to trade up? Are we? Is this the right position to draft? Are we looking for this guy? Defense? Are we looking for offense? What are we looking for? Every single scenario gets talked about, and we'll continue to talk about it. And I guess my first question to you, Mike, is are we happy with the 11th pick? <laughs> or, or, or do you think you can drop back some spots and still get the guys that you're looking at? You know, the sexier pick is always a single digit pick because that is easier to shop because when people look at 11, it's also kind of a psychological thing because think about it this way. When you're a GM, you're like, man, I could go back into the top 10 or I could get 11. Like no one really thinks about it. It's it's, kind of like uh, what uh, businesses do when they say, oh, this is four ninety nine. They don't say it's five dollars. Because if they say five dollars, then people think, "Oh, it's five bucks." But when people are just looking at prices, they're like, "Oh, it's only four ninety nine. Everyone does it, and everyone thinks four ninety nine is better than five. Now, technically, it is because it's one cent better, but it's practically the same thing when it comes to tax and all that kind of stuff. So when you look at the eleventh pick compared to like the ninth pick, now we're not shopping picks like that. Like it's not that big of a deal one spot because all di- all the teams need different needs, but. For the 11th, I've heard a lot of different grumblings about, oh, they're looking to get more picks. They're probably going to trade back. We hear that every year, and that's what irritates me, and that's what I'm going to talk about with Mitch Tischler uh, tomorrow, so definitely check that out, as Ben alluded to earlier. I'm going to ask him specifically, because he does a uh, Washington Football Talk podcast with J.P. Finley, who's also plugged in as well uh, to to the team very, very heavily. I I just don't understand when you have a draft and these teams – just don't trade back. And like they have like four picks, like the entire draft. Like, look at the Rams. I don't think the Rams have a single pick this year. They might not even show up to the draft. It's crazy. Yeah, they got they got rid of a lot of those picks. I mean, it's like it, it's just funny to me because why do you think the Patriots are always good? Why do you think the Patriots are always in the market to trade quarterbacks or to trade uh some player for picks? It's because they always have 12 picks a year, it feels like. And then all yeah. of a sudden, 12, there's a lot more chance to hit on somebody out of 12 picks than four. So when you're looking at it, I just don't understand why teams don't trade back. Now, I understand when it comes to you get bad offers, or you get some offers that are nubs because you might you know, get an offer from, say, the Bengals who are picking 31st. You don't want to go from 11th to 31st because – you know, a lot of your prospects could be chosen by then. But really, when you're looking at it, I, I wouldn't go farther back than maybe 17. Because, of course, the the Eagles are picking in there twice as of right now. They might be trading yeah. one of their picks. I think they should. Uh, but you're looking at it and saying, you don't want your opponents in your division to be picking before you because they know what you need more than anybody else. So right, the big, right. the biggest thing about it is if you're going to go back, you have to go back probably before the Eagles' first pick, which I believe is 15 or 16. I forgot exactly which one it is. But I just don't understand why people don't trade back more often because 
you can play mind games, but our front office has never been that great to play those mind games. They're always like, uh, and then they've trade, no. they trade five number ones for RG3. Now, I mean, it was great the first year, but obviously it didn't pan out. The biggest thing about it is that our draft room has never been one of the elites. It's always been the back half. We've always, you know, we hit on someone like a Cole Holcomb, you know, late in the draft or a Cam Curl in the seventh round every now and then. But when you're looking at it, it's just, it's hard to hit on number ones all the time, but it feels like we're always in the mix where it's never a sure thing besides Chase Young and besides RG3. And the biggest thing about this year that really is irritating to me is that right now, I mean, it was all about wide receiver. We got to get weapons. We got to go offense. We got to go offense. And then over the last like 10 days, everyone's like, yeah, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. You know, you, you got, you got to get him. You got to get well, what? Like, I don't understand where all these different things change. Now, I understand things come out and they try to play mind games against other GMs so they so someone doesn't try to pick your pick early or say the Eagles try to jump you to get that guy. But for me, it's just – I just think it's kind of crazy how, like, like you mentioned, like we're not really happy with 11, but we can get a guy that's going to be yeah. an impact player at 11. Something that fits, yeah. But I, I just don't want them to screw this up to the point where you go out and get somebody that is going to improve the club no matter what, but is, but is going to be a detriment because I think – yeah, okay, if you want to go out there and get a, a Stingley, sure, that, that's great at LSU. If you want to go get that guy, because we definitely need a number one corner. I've always said it. I love Kendall Fuller, but he's not a number one. I, that that'll be great, but what's what's that going to do for Carson Wentz? We're not as good as we were last year on offense, so why are we going to go out there and say, hey, Carson, uh, Taylor Heineke was mediocre at best with this team, and because you're not who you were with the Eagles – you're going to have to go out there and try to see if you can do better. I mean, it, it just makes no sense. So I, I just think that also with Terry McLaurin trying to re-sign him, it's not going to look good if you go out there and you're like, we'll wait to the fourth round to get a wide receiver. Like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. The best wide receivers right. go in the first round. And, yes, you can find a diamond in the rough later in, later in the draft, but that's hard. It's, it's harder with a skill position like wide receiver. There's so many things that go into that position to the point where you can't just go and say, oh, look, another apple off the tree. Here we go. Like, it, it, <laughs> right. it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that because that's a skill position. And the corners, you can have a nickel corner go out there and cover a fourth-round wide receiver for the most part any day. You look at De'Ami Brown. He was a pretty damn good wide receiver for North Carolina. Didn't do anything last year. And that's the problem. And I think they might be banking on Curtis Samuel way too much. He got hurt all last season pretty much. Yeah, he was a milk box guy. O overall, he yeah. was wondering where he was. Exactly, yeah. the, MIA, the MIA guy. So, uh, anyways, just, just to answer your question, I know I went on there a little bit, but I'm kind of I'm fired up a little bit about this uh, draft in general. I'm pretty excited about it. I, I think if they can trade back within four picks, I'll be happy. Um, but yeah. overall, if they go, if just they take, go 11, yeah, just, 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 take just, the go, just go with it. Yeah, if I had to rank as far as the importance, like the the groups or positions uh, in uh, in importance, in my opinion, for this team, I'm putting the receiver position number one yeah. as far as getting yeah. a getting a talented receiver for the reasons that you've said already, and and we've talked about on the show multiple times that they need more help. You, you're looking at guys like. 
Christian Watson or Drake London or or you know some you know there's some other options there out of Bama or or you know things like that. There's some there's some options there that would be you just need to find some complimentary pieces for Terry McLaurin. So I'm I'm putting that number one. Uh, I'm going to say cornerback is my number two for importance, like you're talking about. I mean, uh, William Jackson struggled. Uh, you know, you had St. Juice kind of struggle. I, I think you definitely could look at Stingley as an option. I mean, I think that's if if he's there and you don't want to go wide receiver, I think you get Derek Stingley if, if, if that's more important to you. And then the last position group I'd say is probably middle linebacker. Um, you know, I think I think you could add some add some help there, especially guys, you know, helping stop the run and, and things like that. I think that could be uh, that could be the move there. So I'm going to go wide receiver, cornerback, and middle linebacker as far as my areas of importance. For my areas of importance, I would go with wide receiver number one. Now, yeah. I don't care what what you say. You need weapons. Carson Wentz needs weapons. You can't go out there and say, all right, Terry, got to go out there, man. Curtis Samuel, oh, sorry, sorry, man. You're, you're, you're not in the lineup today. We know your Achilles is hurt or you're, you, you broke your back. Whatever it is, I don't even know. You pulled your groin doing a sit-up. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> right. if, if he's not out there, then Terry McLaurin is going to be leaned on once again to go out there and do what he does. And that's the biggest thing is you need to go out there and you have a chance. Now, is it a, is it a long shot? Possibly. You have a chance to get Garrett Wilson. Right now, he's, as of what I've seen on here, he is the sixth best prospect coming out this year as a wide receiver. Now, some wide receivers, yes. Do they bust? Yes. Kelvin Benjamin, when he came out of FSU not, not too long ago, uh, went to Carolina. Hopefully, Ron Rivera. I think Ron Rivera actually did pick him, which is not a great sign. Uh, right, so, right. Kelvin Benjamin, he was great out of FSU. Then he became a big fatty. Okay? Yep. And, then, and then, he, yep. then he couldn't run. He couldn't do anything. He was like Eddie Lacy. Just couldn't stop eating for some reason. Couldn't, couldn't shed off yeah, the pounds. And he was terrible. Yeah, that's right. But you're looking at this wide receiver group. There are wide receivers that you can get later in the rounds, but they're not going to have the skill like Garrett Wilson and like Chris Olave. Drake London, I'm not too familiar with him as as much as Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but, I mean, you think about it this way. Michigan, as, as you know, you're a Michigan State guy, but and you hate Michigan, but when they play Michigan, Michigan has a really good team, okay? They, they obviously were in the Final Four. But you're looking at it and saying – Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave had really good games. Garrett Wilson, I think, had 10 catches for like 114 yards or something like that in that game. And, yes, they were down. But Chris Olave also had uh, like seven catches for 88 yards or something of that nature. They had really good games against a really good team and their arch rival. The biggest thing about it is both those players are in the top 15, as I see on this website, for skill position. Now, like I said, Drake London – not really too sure about him. Obviously, scouts would get him a lot more than I would. But you have to go with one of those guys. If Garrett Wilson falls mm-hmm. to you, you can't say, uh, we're going to pass on you, bud. Uh, it's like you can't do that. He's, he's the number right. one wide receiver in this draft. And no one's saying that he's a Malcolm Kelly. No one's saying he's a Devin Thomas, as you know some of those guys pretty well uh, out of Michigan State. Uh, but it, it's just coming down to the situation where people think, oh, yeah, well, you know, we need to go defense. No, we don't. Okay, yes, our defense wasn't great last year, but we did have a right. nice four or five game stretch where we actually played really well. Antonio Gibson was running the ball down people's throats, and we played a really good, solid four or five games. But the defense can be picked up, I think. I mean, look at Cole Holcomb, like I said before. 
I believe we got him in the fifth round out of North Carolina, and he's one of the best sure tacklers in all the NFL. He got, he, I think he was top 10 in, in total tackles, I believe, last year. So the guy can tackle. The guy can play. Yeah, he, may, he might not be the best uh, pass coverage, but you would have to think that Jamin Davis is actually going to go out there and perform better than he did this past year. He did have some glimpse later in the season, but the biggest thing is you have to think after his first year development with coaches, with film, you know, now he has film in the NFL that he can go off of. You'd have to think that he's going to improve a little bit. So my positions are wide receiver number one. I want offensive line help. I want offensive line depth. We did lose Brandon Sheriff. He's an all-pro right guard. Okay, yes, we can slide guys in there. We did get Andrew Norwell from the Jags out of free agency. But the biggest thing about it is you need backups. Linemen get hurt so much more than I think everybody else. Because they go out there, they get rolled up on, they get, they get tweaked or whatever. They have to go out. And, and if you miss two or three games, who are you going to throw in there? You're not going to throw, throw in some you know seventh-round pick that you just don't know who he is. You need to go out there and get someone. That's why I thought we needed to get an offensive tackle out of the first round last year. But anyway, that's besides the point. Sam Cosby, we'll see what we got out of him uh, at the right tackle yeah. spot. But I think offensive line depth uh, as well that we can probably get maybe two or three uh, you know, a guard, maybe a backup tackle or something like that. Uh, we'll have to see what Shadiq, uh, Shadiq Charles does. Um, but uh, I, I think, honestly, for the back end, it has to be DB help. So I think right now I would say wide receiver is my number one, and my 2A is offensive line depth, and my 2B is defensive backs. Now, is if Garrett Wilson's not there, do we go and Derek Stingley is, do we go Derek Stingley? Would I be upset about it? No, because right now no. he's projected the number one corner in the entire NFL, uh, yeah. uh, NFL draft, I should say. And, and you know, as you know best, Jeff Okuda was a sure. Yeah, I was say, don't make it a Jeff Okuda situation. Exactly, he was a sure <laughs> thing, and all of a sudden, the past two years, yeah. you've been struggling. But you never know. You that's never the know. thing. I I think if you go wide receiver, I'm going to be more ecstatic uh, than anything yeah. because again, you're showing Terry McLaurin we care about you, man. We don't want you to be you know drowned in defensive backs every single year. Um, and I just think that they've been neglecting the offensive uh, weapon position so often that they just try to put band-aids on it like, oh, we're going to go sign Logan Thomas. Oh, we're going to go get John Bates out of the fifth round or whatever out of Boise State or whatever. I think it was fourth round. <laughs> right. I mean, it, I just think they're throwing band-aids on it. But when you have a Carson Wentz that's on a, a prove-it year deal, you need to give him weapons to see if you have anything because this is a year. You can't say, eh, we'll pass on it, and then maybe we'll see. No, because this is a prove-it year for him, and he, if he if he does well, he might stay. If he doesn't, kick him to the curb and move on. But as of right now, I think wide receiver, they have to go with number one pick. Got to give him some guys he can throw the ball to down the field. Yep. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. Uh, we'll, as I mentioned, we'll be doing a lot of draft coverage here in the upcoming week. Look out for Mike's interview with Mitch Tischler coming later in the week and uh, my interview with Michael Phillips, which will be uh, happening over the weekend. And uh, that's pre-draft, it's post-draft, it's a lot of draft <laughs> topics. Um, a lot of draft. We're gonna we're gonna touch briefly the Washington Nationals on baseball. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I do want to get to the Caps. Um, I just wanted to. I like to kind of recap these uh, kind of where the team's at in the, from the previous week's performances and things like that. And if there's any guys we can highlight as far as guys that are doing a good job. And uh, when it comes to the pitching staff, uh, we'll focus on that for a moment. Um, not, not a lot of positives there. I will say the guy that 
is continuing to be the lone bright spot on this pitching staff right now is Josiah Gray. He is now My man. Uh, had three starts so far this season, a 3.14 ERA, seven walks, 18 Ks, and a 1.33 whip, um, including Tuesday's performance of one earned runs over five and a third with eight Ks. He has been the best starter on this team uh, this season. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, Patrick Corbin right now, you want to know his stats for the year, Mike? Four starts, 11.20 ERA with 11 walks, 15 Ks, and a 2.56 whip. And for those who are not super familiar, it, it's basically walks or hits per inning. And so it means, like, how many guys are average on base every inning they pitch. This is two over two and a half guys he's allowing on base every single inning on average that he pitches. <laughs> so you see these whips for some of these other guys on our team. I mean, Josiah Gray, 1.33. Yoana Doan, 1.66. Eric Fetty, 1.65. Uh, Josh Rogers, 1.36. Those are all relatively normal and good whips. Patrick Corbin at 2.56 yep, yep. with 11.20 ERA is disgusting <laughs> it is so it's like bad, broccoli like. um yeah <laughs> it's disgusting uh so in relation for the non-nerds out there kind of ben just kind of alluded to it just just briefly the regular whips are you know like maybe one three to like you said maybe about one six those are like kind of the median uh sure, for the most sure. parts for for a a, for a average, a average yeah. to above average starter, the the yeah. Max Scherzer of the world and, the, and you know Jacob Degroms, those kind of guys are always you know point nine. Usually five. right around one. Yeah, yeah they're like yeah point nine five. You'll see sub one whips, which yeah. are just unbelievable. Yeah, which but are yeah, great. You'll yeah. see those for the for the studs. But yeah. you're seeing like you know uh, Eric Fetty and stuff like that. One point six five, not terrible, but he he's not a world beater. We all know that, right? And he's got a six seven five ERA. Right. So he's he's in trouble and, too. And, and and Josiah Gray, my, my guy. I mean, you're looking at him. One point three three is a phenomenal whip in three starts so far. Um, can he sustain that? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we would probably expect him to be closer to one five at the end of the season if he right, if he right. kind of continues this. Um, I but I, I just think that Patrick Corbin, man. The problem is, is that. His first two innings, like if if it's a if it's a gong show and everyone's just ringing the bell, then I mean his ERA is not even going to get close to what we predicted. Now we kind of dug our heels in the sand and said, "All right, yeah. we're going to stick to this. We're going to go with it." But thank Still God, plenty of season. To thank go. God we did not put any money on that because yeah. I'm telling you right now, he is not looking good at all. Now I wish I put oh, some money on so Josiah bad. Gray. That would have been nice. Um, but I mean, like I said, I told everyone last week, circle the starts of Josiah Gray. So yeah. far, he's been phenomenal. I think, I think honestly, his last start might have been, despite the innings pitch, because I wish he does uh, go a little longer in some of these starts. Mm -hmm. But three hits, one earned run, only two walks, not too bad, and eight Ks. That might be the his. K's. That might be Love his that. his career high in it's K's. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. I mean, I feel like that's he's usually like a four or five K guy, but eight Ks right. uh in that game, I mean, that's fantastic. No, he's he you're right. He if you were gonna go to a Nats game in person, go on the day that <laughs> Josiah Gray's pitching because 
Yeah, you don't really want to see some of these other guys. Uh, and then last, on the hitting side, it's been rough. It's been rough with the bats here over the last seven days. Um, really the only two guys that have been hitting, and I'm just looking at last seven days stats. Um, you know, Josh Bell, 333 average. Kbert Ruiz, 333 average um, just in, in the last seven days in about 15 uh, in, in, for about six games worth. Uh, they've both been playing well, but um, the guy that unfortunately has not been playing great in the last week has been Juan Soto. In seven games, 1.67 ERA, uh, excuse me, not ERA, average, batting average. Um, no home runs, no RBI, um, you know, only four hits in the last seven games. Um, you know, he's getting on base. He did walk four times, but he's also striking out four. So, yeah, it's seven games in a 162-game season. I'm not too worried about it. And then right. as for the season as a whole, Juan Soto still batting 240 with a 840 OPS. So he's having a, a solid year, but you you always he's always that guy you expect so much more out of because he's Juan Soto. Um, and you know, it's it's I'm not worried about him, but it is just something to monitor. I mean, through 18 games, only three bombs and uh, you know three RBI and and you know that's about it. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But Josh Bell, credit to him, man. He's having a hell of a season. 345 average this year. That's nuts. Yeah, that's Josh nuts. Bell. Josh Bell. I mean, obviously we are, you know, we're kind of mentioning these games, and it's kind of unfortunate because you would think that. If we had a squad that was formidable and that could actually go out there and possibly flirt with 90 games, we would have a pretty damn good record so far because we're playing trash early on. We're playing the Diamondbacks. Yeah. We're playing the Pirates. You know. Well, I looked at that Diamondbacks series and I thought we could get three or four mm-hmm. in that. And it looked like that too after sweeping the doubleheader and then it's just been downhill. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, it's going to be a slippery slope all season. But when you're looking at our offensive stats and our offensive guys, like you said, we're not worried about Juan Soto. Honestly, if Josh Bell, I mean, he's he's starting off a lot better than he did last year. If you think about it this way, I, I honestly want to keep him. But again, we're rebuilding this situation. We're rebuilding this whole entire club in general. If you trade him and you go get... Oh, you could flip him for something. That would be... Sure. I mean, you, you trade him... I mean, not. I don't want to go to the Dodgers again because we already poached a couple of their really good players. But go, go to a, a, a team that has, you know... A, t- a top five farm system and say, Hey, you know, I mean, but uh, th- then again, a lot of those teams, you know, aren't, you know, contenders, but you got to go out there and try to get, if you get Josh, Bell, you got to try to go get a, a trade kind of like Josiah Gray and keep it real. Oh, yeah. You got to go get a prospect like 100%. that. That's, that's going to be an impact guy two years down the road. So overall, 100%. I mean, especially nice. he's a switch hitter. Um, so, you know, teams can use him in a variety of ways with the universal DH now too. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for guys and keep in mind this with the two extra, with the, with the extra playoff spots now in each league as well. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be more teams that might be going for the playoffs and trying to get in. So there might be more opportunity for some contenders uh, to tr- possibly flip him too. So I think that they, there could definitely be some interesting trade deadline stuff. Um, also, Sean we'll Doolittle, touch- by the way. Oh, yeah, Sean Doolittle, by the way, because he's been pitching really well too. It, right now, he has. now we're not going to say he's going to. Now we're not going to say that he's going to continue this throughout the rest of the, right, before the trade right. deadline. And yeah, like you said, he, he's he's still dinged up. But if when he yeah, comes yeah. back and stuff like but that, you're right. With how he was pitching, like he was another guy. I mean, all these relievers 
are guys that you're going to probably <laughs> – and there's been some solid relievers like Victor Arano and things like that. Like Those are probably guys that if they continue what they're doing, they're, they will likely be flipped at the deadline. I mean, that's just the reality of the world. Right. So um, we'll see what happens there. We'll touch briefly on the Caps a couple minutes the here Washington um, before we move on. And obviously the Caps will be – heavily featured on the show very soon with the playoffs and things like that. So we're not pushing them to the side. It's just yeah. you know, a lot to talk about. But um, the biggest news, of course, was Alexander Ovechkin. You talked about him crashing into the boards, uh, leaving that game. And we're just not hearing anything right now. I mean, everything on Twitter, I mean, we were looking before the show and, you know, you were talking to some sources and it's just like nobody's really talking <laughs> at this point. Um you might, you know, the good thing is you do have three games left where if you needed to rest him, you know, you don't want to rest him for all three of those games because right. you don't want him to be cold heading into the playoffs. But at the end of the day, you need a, a healthy, at least a semi-healthy Alexander Ovechkin in the playoffs with especially how much he's scoring lately. Um, so are you are you nervous at all about the situation or do you think it's just going to kind of resolve itself pretty easily? For For me, when I saw the whole entire crash into the boards now, should it have been a penalty? I kind of think so. Um, but and I, do I right. think it was deliberate? No, not at all. I mean, it, it was a breakaway. The goalie was trying to knock the puck away, um, and, he, and he tripped. Yeah, it's okay. It's a, it's a common play. But at the same time, it just didn't look as bad because he, he kind of slid into the boards from like looked like five, six feet away. So it wasn't too far. So it kind of like he was just like kind of gliding into the boards now. Could he have braced himself a little bit too awkwardly? Maybe. Right. Um, so, I mean, you could say it might be a bone bruise or something like that. The best part about it is just what you said. Right now, we're already in the playoffs. It's not like we need him to, to make a late push or something like that. But you're looking at this situation, and I honestly think if you want to rest him on Tuesday, go ahead and then just say, hey, you know, take a take a take a few. You know, just just relax a little bit. If it's a bone bruise, let it heal a little bit, because we need you full strength when the playoffs come around. Absolutely need him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be that's crucial. the biggest thing. If if he's if he's missed, if he's missing time or missing games or whatever, or not a hundred percent, this team ain't going to go far. And I, I'm going to be flat out about that because yeah. this is not a. Uh, Oiler situation where if McDavid missed some time, you got Drysdale. You, you know, it, it's not a situation where you have, you know, uh, if Nylander missed some time for the Maple Leafs, you got Austin Matthews. It's not a situation like where you got a one-two punch. Yes, Backstrom is a great player. Yes, Oshie is a great player. Yes, Tom Wilson is a great player. Kuznetsov, you can go down the list. But those guys aren't superstars. Alex Ovechkin's right. a superstar. Okay, right. you know, you have other guys that could score. Yes, do you have other guys that? bring everything to the table that Alexander Ovechkin and actually strikes fear in the hearts of yes. a, uh, the opponents of only Ovi. He's the guy. He's yeah. the guy. He, he needs to be on the ice. And, and, and I mean, exactly. Simple. And that's the problem is when you're looking at the last three games, it's not that bad. To, you know, and like you said, you don't want to sit him all three games because you'd like to, for him to actually have some ice time. Yeah. But I mean, you have two games against the Isles. Isles are out. They're not going to care. Yeah. They're already you 20. Sit him for those. Yeah. If you need to. Yeah. You can and for that. And then the Rangers, they're already pretty much locked into their spot because the Pens and us can't catch them, and they're not going to be able to catch the Hurricanes. So they're probably, uh, you know, probably going to rest some guys there too. The also the biggest thing is depending on when their games start. I know that uh, I believe there's the, the games start on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe on Monday. It might be a Monday. It's three days after, so I believe it might be Monday. So you have the whole entire weekend to rest up. Obviously, you're going to prepare 
you're going to have some skates and stuff like that uh, for the weekend and whatnot to prepare for uh, whoever we're going to play at that time. But the biggest thing is you got two games against the Isles that you can rest in, and that's you know three or four days of rest if it's like a bone bruise. That's what it looked like to me. Right. And it could be kind of like just a stinger where you know he, he's like, oh, man, it really hurts. It's really sore or something like that. Get some work done. He is 36, let's be honest. But in my opinion, if it was something just like a stinger, I think they would have said something. I think they would have said, oh, yeah, he's good. You know, it's just a, it's just a minor injury, nothing, nothing too bad. He'll be out in the ice. That, that's what worries me because this morning nothing came out. Everyone's like, we don't know. Talked to one of our sources uh, for the show, and he says, no idea. Close to the vest, no idea. They're not releasing anything. So that's the one thing that scares me. There's a team me. picture. That's all we know. There was a team <laughs> picture taken today, and he was there, and he was in it. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but he was there. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. And you're right. Those games do start Monday. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that situation. And Mike will definitely be uh, on top of it as he talks to Andrew Gillis of NBC Sports Washington later in the week to get some preview of the playoffs. And you'll probably at some point here, Mike and I do a post game show or something like that. Um, so the best way to keep up to date with that will be the Twitter at the DC crossover and at Cerrone 16 to keep up to date with when we are on the air. And that's the contender app. And when we do the live stuff, so download that app, it's completely free. Let's hit up the final app, a chance to give some quick analysis on some bigger stories in sports. 90 seconds on the clock. Here we go. The New York Yankees throw garbage all over the field. At, uh, and at Guardians players after their walk-off win, Mike. It's the same. Video was everywhere. It's the same thing as New York fans. They're all garbage. Yeah, I mean, not I can't surprised they that. have it. Uh, <laughs> the latest on the playoff series right now: Suns, Pels tied up at two-two. Mavs, Jazz tied up at two-two. Warriors up three-to-one on Denver. Grizz and T Wolves tied up two-two. Miami up 3-1 on the Hawks, Philly up 3-1 on the Raptors, Bucks up 3-1 on the Bulls, and Boston up 3-0 on the Nets. Which one of these series most surprises you, Mike? Boston and the Nets. I called it last week. I said the Nets were going to win. And KD is just not the same player. He, 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 he honestly can't take over a game like he used to within the last six, seven years. Uh, and I think after that Achilles injury, it, it, it's just kind of it's kind of make him not say washed up, but he's definitely not the best scorer in the world anymore. I definitely love seeing Chicago get knocked out uh, against the uh, Bucks because the Bucks. I had my money. I had the money at the beginning of the year on the Bucks as my NBA champion back to back. Nice, and that's still looking pretty looking good. Looking good. Uh, Hunter Dickinson returning to Michigan. Caleb Love returning to UNC next year. It's always nice to see some of those bigger names where you think like they could probably go into the draft, but then they come back to try to give it one more go. It's nice to see that, but then you also go. You also could be potentially hurting your draft stock and missing out on some money. Yeah, honestly, I think that the agents come into play when it comes to that because depending on how it's – I mean, think about the NFL right now when you're seeing, oh, next year's going to be a QB-heavy draft. Like, obviously it's different in, when it comes to different sports, but if you're looking at it and saying, oh, my agent says, hey, you're going to improve your draft stock if you go back one more year uh, and just grow one more year – and a lot of NBA scouts also say that to them too. So there's a lot of voices sure. that are being uh, there's a lot of voices that are that are kind of circulating when these guys are planning to come out or not. Uh, it depends on if they make the right decision. But usually, when it comes down to it, uh, I think the agents have a lot to do with that because they're kind of plugged in saying, "Hey, 
you know, my, my guy wants to come out. What do you think? Where do you th- draft? And then honestly, if they sit there and say, well, he's probably not going to go in the top 15 or whatever, then they're like, yeah, maybe I'll stay in, you know, I'm not going to really risk it. You don't really think about, oh, I'm going to risk it. Um, uh, but you could have a Kevin Ware situation. You could have something like that. Um, where you all of a sudden it's, it's just unfortunate, but, um, I think, uh, you know, returning is never a bad thing. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like you said, you got to risk it to get the biscuit sometimes. Right now, the uh, the consensus is the top three picks will be in some order: Jabari Smith, pa- Paolo Banchero, and Chet Holgram in some Holmgren in some capacity. We don't know the exact order and, and who will get who, but Big Chet. That's, the thinking that's what they there. call him. BC Big Chet. Big Big Chet. Big Chet. They call me Big Belly. <laughs> as we get into our trivia here. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I've been getting them wrong left and right, just like my money line picks. It's oh been boy. rough. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I mean, I just can't do anything right, <laughs> but get me back on track here. What do you got for my DC sports trivia question? So our DC sports trivia question of episode number 109, and I'm going to reword this because it's kind of a weird, uh, worded question. And it's also, sure. it's, I'm going to make it more simplified. Please do. I need a win. <laughs> I think you'll get it. Which Nationals draftee, is that a word? Um, yeah. Which yeah. Nationals draftee was picked as the college player of the year before being picked uh, by the Nationals in the 2011 MLB draft? 2011 NBA, N- NBA draft. Jesus Christ. Um, 2011 and you're claiming this is this is easy. Well, I'm claiming it's easy. Oh, I guess my question right off the bat would be, what position? Or is it a is it a pitcher or is can't it a, answer that. Okay, is it going to give it away? What do you mean? That's going because it's going to be it's going to easily give it away. Well, why would it easily give it away? <laughs> you want to get you want to give you a hint? Is that you want to do that? Is it a pitcher? No, I'm going to give you a hint. The college. College player of the year. Wow. Yeah, exactly. The college is has blue in its color. I mean, what the f- Okay. <laughs> the the, co- uh, the college deals with Asian cuisine. Deals with Asian cuisine? What does that even mean? Rice University. Col- oh, so then so Rice is Rendon, I believe, right? <laughs> Correct. Okay. All right. I was like <laughs> What? Yeah. Okay. I thought yeah, it was going to be better than that. You threw me off there. Okay. Asian oh. cuisine, man. I was thinking, I will say, Go before sushi. you gave me the hint, Rendon was in my mind before you gave me the hint. Because I was like, I was like, all right, time, timing-wise, it kind of lined up. Here's, here, um, here's the actual question. Yeah, yeah. Who won the Dick Hauser Trophy for College Player of the Year before being picked sixth overall by the Nationals in the 2011 MLB Draft? Okay. Yeah, uh, you could have said that whole thing. Well, I thought I thought I thought you would have know it right off the bat, but yeah, well, I was close. Who else? Who else uh, did we draft that was I mean, the, the I, college I player right, of the year? But yeah, <laughs> uh, this this hopefully will be easy. Okay. What three things does an NHL player have to do in a game to complete a Gordie Howe hat trick? What are the three things you need to do in a game for the Gordie Howe hat trick? Is it is, so? Is is it an obvious one? Is goal one of them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, goal, assist. Yep. Those are two of the three. Um, What's the third? I don't think hit is one of them. 
Um, hit? No, hit is not one of them. Don't get me started. I already gotten some beef on Facebook about hits. Um, oh, great. I'm going to say... Oh, man, I know this too. Goal assist. And... Uh, penalty? I Kind of. Can you be more specific? A major penalty. Sure. I mean, yeah, getting in a fight. Getting in a fight. Okay, which five, would five, yeah, lead yeah. To, yeah, lead to a major yeah, penalty. I was going to five yeah. yeah. It's a goal, assist, and a fight is a Gordie Howe hat trick. I'll take it. it. I'll, I'll, I'll t- I'm going to take uh, oh, you got it. A three quarters of a point there. Cause <laughs> there, you go. there you go. The fans at home are keeping track. <laughs> I'm sure they um, are. Let's hit up the money line sponsored by DraftKings. And boy, this has been a bloodbath this time. Jesus. I mean, it's just been it's been bad. And I told you this last week that I was going to the way I'm doing my picks this week is I made my picks and then I reversed them all. So I went against my brain. So these two picks here are not what I want, but I'm doing oh it boy. because I don't trust myself because I am Jesus. so bad. So my lock. Originally, I wanted the Hawks to cover the three points as, as the dogs. Instead, I'm taking the Heat, covering the seven as a favorite over the Hawks. So I'm going to say, uh, so Heat minus seven. And then, <laughs> yeah, I don't believe it either. And then uh, <laughs> my dogs. I'm going to say the Celtics... Finish off the Nets. It's a one-point difference uh, either way, so it's like it's, it's a pick. It's a pretty close line, basically. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say the Celtics get it done, um, and uh, which would be unbelievable. The Nets. That would be unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wanted to pick the Nets. But uh, you know what? <laughs> this is the strategy, and I'm gonna go for two for two. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. I did pick the Warriors uh, in Game Four. They lost. And I did right. pick the Suns, and they lost. So Johnny, you gotta, uh, we got to go against ourselves right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Until you, we get back on track, then you go back to your regular. Oh place. yeah, you, you saw my text the other the other day. I was not too happy. All right. Um. Anyways, so my lock is over two and a half goals for tomorrow's uh, Champions League uh, final or semifinal game between Man City and Real Madrid. I right. honestly think Man City probably will will take down Real Madrid. Unfortunately, because I'm a Madrid fan. Uh, but over two and a half goals, minus one forty is my lock on that one. It's plus one ten to go under two and a half. But both these teams have been scoring at will. Man City not so much in the second legs of their games, uh, but the first legs they've been scoring like three goals a game over the last uh, three rounds. And Madrid has been scoring uh, pretty well in the first leg as well, or just in general. Uh, Kareem Benzema has been playing really well, but Man City. I saw a couple articles today that said, "Oh, they have to win this because everyone else, Madrid, Barcelona, um, you know, Man-, Man U has been in it, Chelsea's been in it. Different teams like that have actually been doing well, uh, and Man City has not yet to win it in in, in recent years. Uh, so over two and a half, minus one forty for my lock for tomorrow's UCL game, and then my dogs. I'm going with the Pellies. I think the Suns okay. without without Booker, they don't have that yeah. that, that huge scoring threat, and their their bench has been okay." But not great, and the Pellies have just—I mean, with CJ McCollum, that might have been the the move of the year so far because he's—I right. mean, he wasn't even that great last game. I think the one guy you got to look at is, uh, is, is Valanciunas going against DeAndre Ayton because that's a huge deal. Because DeAndre Ayton, you know, he's supposed to be better than Valanciunas, but Valanciunas actually outperformed him in the second half. 
He did. Oh, I love Alan Shearer. Oh, He's me too. Been one of my favorite guys. Yeah, I always and, wish the Wizards could have gotten him. Right, exactly. But he he didn't really play too well. Uh, I think I believe in the first game, but last game he had like twenty six points and like fifteen boards, which is I unbelievable. It. It's awesome. I love it. uh, so he was crashing the boards, but plus six and a half for a team that is on fire. Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum. Valanchunas, I mean, I mean, give me the Pels, baby. Give me the Pels. Yeah, I, I like it. I like the pick. We'll see if it works out for you. Mike's in the lead right now, but uh, yeah, it's been a rough, <laughs> it's been a rough round of picks, that's for sure. So hopefully our luck changes this week. So as we mentioned, as we wrap up the show, definitely follow all the social media channels for the latest because we got a lot going on here. Interviews galore upcoming. Um, so follow the show at the DC Crossover and at Cerrone 16. The TikTok, of course, DC underscore crossover underscore podcast. Download the Contender app. That's Contender with a K. Uh, it's completely free. Download that app so you can hear live post games and things like that, like we did throughout the football season. And we did some Caps post games last year, too. Um, and yeah, a lot going on here in DC Crossover land. So definitely uh, stay tuned for all of that. And Ooh, fingers crossed for this NFL draft round one here. This pick <laughs> coming up later this week. Uh, man, they gotta get it. They gotta get this right, Mike. They gotta get this right. Got to. Make us happy. We'll be breaking it all down next week on the show. That is Mike Sarone. I am Ben Simpson. We will see you next time on the DC Crossover.